Hello and welcome to this first episode from London Book Fair and we're going to be talking about the future of digital publishing. Uh, my name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker and I'm joined by Ewan McLeod from Mobile Industry Review. Now Ewan, where the hell did you leave Rafe Blanford? Well, uh, I want to be very clear, we haven't dumped him uh, and he ha- we haven't had a split and uh, all those rumours are all untrue. Basically, Blanford couldn't be here, he's not in the country. I think today is his inpatient treatment day at the special clinic in Switzerland, so he's had to fly, just get that rash looked at, basically. So, I mean, he, and I know he won't mind me telling people that because he's not embarrassed about it. You know, he, if you see Rafe in the street, stop him and ask him about the rash. He will enjoy discussing it with you. So, let's backtrack a bit. Yes. London Book Fair, uh, there's a lot of people here trying to sell dead trees with words printed on them, aren't there? And that's not really very exciting, is it? So, why are we here? Well, we, we are here to look at the digital, in fact, I was going to say the digital aspects of this event. I mean, I, using the word digital sounds so 10 years ago, doesn't it? I mean, uh, or even electronic, uh, because, I mean, because you and I and the, and the listeners, you know, we all inhabit a, a slightly different world to a lot of the people here. Um, it's a very traditional conference, and uh, most of the conversation is around swapping rights, the rights to, to, to books that you and I will, uh, will buy. We probably even don't buy them any. Do you buy books any anymore? One or two, maybe, but I te- I buy all my books now digitally. You know, through right, yeah. through. I mean, I use Kindle Store, yeah. and I, I think I've got a few wire books kicking around because I've got some Apple products. Yeah, well, and I I I I haven't bought a book for a long time, apart from airports, which is an interesting thing. Um, so it's quite interesting watching these these dead tree experts, the the, the publishers in the other hall over there, uh, focusing on on the day to day. But the the underlying current is change. Big change. We're seeing that a lot in the headlines uh, recently with discussion over the ebook pricing. Um, these publishers are trying to work out, and these, these, the biggest, everybody who's anyone is here, they're trying to work out how they move to mobile, move to digital. I can't stand that word, but yeah, how, how they monetize and deliver their services in a, in a new environment. And for me, it was kind of important that we did a little sort of side piece. We, 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 we talked about some of these topics in the main 361 Degrees podcast and, and we'll no doubt come back to it. But right here, right now, is an opportunity just to, t- to take a little bit of time dedicated to digital publishing and um, take the temperature of the market because, I mean, we're sat right in the middle of the hall now, surrounded by stands. You can probably hear the, you know, the noise behind us. And um, we, we're going to go and talk to uh, a couple of people who are launching either digital platforms or they're publishing, yeah, they're they're publishing players in the marketplace. Yeah. But, but also, I just wanted to sort of take a moment to sort of just consider, well, who's here and what are they doing? Because my take at the moment is that actually even the biggest players in the market, and for me in the UK, that's Amazon and the Kindle you know, platform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, for me, Amazon is almost everything. I, mean, I, don't, I can't think of anything else. Oh, uh, what's it? Kobo. I use Kobo quite a lot. Well, so there's, there's there's Kindle, there's Kobo, there's yeah. a, a bunch of. Well, in the states, there's the Nook, isn't yeah, there? That's true. That's true. In fact, Nook are over there. We need to try and get them. I think because they're, they're over there. We try and speak to them. And there's a whole bunch of other people. We're also we'll be talking to Nokia, who've made some announcements in this space. But aside from the detail of all those products, which will kind of be interesting, it'll be interesting to hear what these guys got to say. My, my overwhelming sense is that right now. Digital publishing is about taking the words that used to be on paper and putting them on 
uh, an electronic device and maybe kind of making it available to multiple devices with a few niceties about bookmarking and syncing and perhaps buying over the air. But I mean, it really yeah, doesn't. charging the same or if not more money. Uh, it doesn't really set my world on fire. Two for one is. For me, I think reading, reading static, you know, reading long-form kind of book material on a on a, a mobile phone or a tablet device, not not a dedicated e-reader, not but the not, not the Kindle, yeah, but right. a, 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 you know, a tablet. It's a terrible experience. You know, the device is heavy; it runs out of batteries. Um, it's quite a bright, uncomfortable display to read for a long period of time. But also, the words are just as static as they ever were. You know, they're just sat there on the page doing nothing. I I don't understand why. Um, the publishers aren't taking advantage of these new devices and actually not just publishing books but publishing something more valuable than a book. I think we have to look at the cash as well and the risk. I mean, a lot of the uh, different seminars I've been to, the publishers are simply saying, look, we're, we're just waiting. I mean, we're, I'm summing it up, but they're basically saying, we're waiting to see what the other guy does. And once the other guy does something and, and, and has worked out something successful, then we might do it. But basically, the, I think... Would it be fair to say that electronic publishing, the, the next generation electronic publishing, quite simply means buying an app for a tenor? Well, and that is the other thing as well, is that a lot of the people who are here are either making content that they want to put in other people's distribution mechanisms like Kobo, Kindle, all those right, kinds of things, right. or they're the guys making the distribution mechanism themselves, like uh, the guys from Nokia, for example, yeah. who will be reselling other people's content. But all of that works on the basis that you just want a nice convenient distribution mechanism what aren't aren't actually apps oh you know like a magazine apps for example right. a way of just completely replacing that and distributing you know rich interactive content where people can engage with it in a much more meaningful way see i think the problem we've got is right now this industry is churning out as you say traditional dead tree focused um content and that's because that's where the money is and you know the authors aren't focusing on anything other than long form content but i i must take umbrage with your uh, your, your your points on e-reading i really enjoy it i use my iphone to to read using the kindle typically sometimes kobo uh, all the time i mean I, i've bought the last thing i bought was the history of um elizabethan england or something like that and um now and again when i'm um, bored and you know or i'm sat in the train i flick through and you know that'll blow 20 30 minutes it's really really useful i I accept that there's some convenience thing about having the books on the devices that just happen to be in your pocket. So, you know, if you suddenly decide you want to do some reading, but, you know, and I, well, I, I don't suddenly decide. I mean, I'll, I'll plan for it. I think it, when I'm flying, uh, flying abroad, I'll make sure I've got some books on the, on the Kindle app. I don't have a Kindle. I just use the app on the iPhone or the iPad. And I actually really value that experience. It, it's moderate. You're, you're, you're a, a digital heathen. Well, I think the thing is that, to me, uh, these bookstores are like electronic wallets at the moment. What people are doing is showing that you can take a traditional transaction or a traditional idea and you can make it digital. And by sticking it on a mobile device, it does make it a bit more convenient. I'm far less likely to forget it and it fits fits on my carry-on luggage much more conveniently. Brilliant, you know, hallelujah. But uh, it, what it doesn't actually do is fundamentally make it better than the original medium. I, could, I can still walk out of a house, grab a paperback if I know I want to read something. It's still small, convenient, durable, all that kind of stuff. The, the difference between the digital and the paper version is minuscule in terms of the improvement in my experience at the moment. Right, but at the same point, sit back, remember these are big industries panicking 
I mean, seriously panicking. And just to be able to get this stuff on your mobile phone is rocket science, basically, as far as, far as a lot of these guys are concerned. And that's interesting, is it? Because does this remind you of the music industry a few years ago where the, the concern... Of, get it. Well, also, I mean, partly they didn't get it, but also the concern about how technically complicated it was to make sure that everybody's rights were protected and the existing model wasn't disrupted, etc., 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 were so overwhelming for those in the industry that the person who had an iPod or an iPhone who frankly just wanted to listen to some music didn't care about how many contracts there had to be. It took you know, quite a number of years and actually quite a lot of piracy and people trying to subvert the system before you get, you know, friendly, usable ecosystems. And and looking around here, I think we've gone back 10 years in time and we're replaying that process. But we're, we're at the point whereby you can download the Kobo app or you can download the Kindle app on your smartphone and you can get a book, right? You can get that girl dragon tattoo. You know, you can get recognised brands and that is rocket science. But it's not, though, is it, really? No, no, it's absolutely not. It's rubbish. Okay, but but where, where is the future? And a lot of these seminars I've been to, the future has been in a publisher making an iPad app. And I'm serious, this is their future. Yeah, an iPad app that uses book content that's got animations in it, and they charge a tenner, and they sell 250,000 of them. And there's, there's a place for that, because... There is. The Elements app, for example. I think it's by Faber uh, Faber. Um, I, I interviewed the guy that, um, that did that earlier, and you know, cool, excellent, right? But you know, and it is changing the, the the dynamic in publishing. But as you say, it's not really customized for this medium, is it? Well, there's a couple of things here, which is, I mean, first of all, a lot of the stuff that still being presented as earth-shattering here might be technically earth-shattering, but it doesn't mean anything to consumers. But then also. I, I, and I'd be interested to get take your perspective because you've seen far more of the show than I have, but I don't see content that has been inspired by mobile platforms or tablets here, the kind of stuff that is really, um, you know, it, it, it's not just, it's not a different way to distribute words. It's about distributing content that is absolutely optimised for, you know, an interactive presentation, not just because it shows you a video rather than a picture now, but because it's also... Uh, written from the beginning with the idea that the person reading it will have 15 minutes on a train or 20 minutes on a train to do some reading rather than to sit down and, and sort of you know, spend a longer period of time with a book in maybe a, a more traditional way. There's a, an author I interviewed yesterday. I, I, I know the lady uh, pretty well. Her name's Alana Fox. Uh, she, she does chick lit. Um, What's that, sorry? Chick lit. Are you, are you making a rude joke? No, I just generally don't know, don't know what that is. You don't know what chick lit is? Is it like a is it like a twiglet? Oh my god, readers, readers, chick lit. So yeah, chick lit. Are you getting me now, right? I see, I see l- literature desirable and appealing to persons of a female persuasion. I'll just keep on repeating chick lit until you get it right. Go, cool. uh, right. So she she specialises specialises in that, and the, her fourth book is coming out. And she said yesterday on a, a, a panel that she's targeting this particular book for those she thinks the majority of her readers of ADD. Um, as in the, uh, massive attention issues forced by lifestyle. And so she's trying to make it that, that it is, as far as I understand, a, a, a normal book, the long book, but you can dip into it and dip out of it. And she's adding some interactive elements in that uh, apparently the characters talk about a particular website 
which you can actually physically go and visit. And she's putting links into the ebook form so you can go and see that. And then there's Twitter accounts that she's created and that she will have running um, uh, real time. I don't know how for how long, but to associate, to work with your, your reading. So you can actually you can spend five minutes reading a, a, a couple of passages, then click through to see something else, explore something else. So that she, what she wants is the, the reading experience to continue. Um, wherever you are, she wants to keep the author, the, sorry, the, the readers reading her stuff rather than going out elsewhere. So that, I think, is interesting. But the whole audience, I thought, of this seminar were just kind of looking at her blankly going, oh, but I think that's quite for, uh, forward uh, thinking and, and far reaching. The other thing I want to point out, I think we have mentioned this before, is Malcolm Tucker's phone. It's Malcolm, I'll look it up in a minute. I've got, I've got the app on my phone, I love it. Now, the thick of it is a BBC. Two, I think it's a BBC Three or a BBC, it's a BBC program, um, political comedy, um, and one of the protagonists is a a spin doctor working uh, in the government. His name is Malcolm Tucker. The guy swears a lot, and uh, I'm a big fan of the series, the TV series, and they've produced a book app. Well, it's it's slightly different in that how this works is you download the app, you run it, and the app is pretending that, that you have picked up his, this character's phone. So there's no book, there's no long form. You, you basically download the app, it runs, and all of a sudden you receive a voicemail. Play the, you play the voicemail, then you, you hear the character speaking. It's a guy from television talking at you. And then an email arrives into this app, continuing the narration. And the story moves that way. And uh, yeah, across a couple of weeks, you, you actually experience the book but in this totally different way. That, I think, is genius. But it stops. I mean, I, as, a, as a big fan of that series, uh, I'm, I think I paid whatever, you know, five quid or whatever the cost. I'm, I'm there thinking, okay, Faber, I think this is another Faber product, I think. Take my money. So don't just go, why have you just given me one? Right, because I really enjoyed it, but I want more. I want the thing to continue. I'll pay you a tenner a month for that kind of... You know, this, I think, is what you're talking about, right? This is the problem we're having in this marketplace. And I love that. And it's not a book. Although they, call, they class it as a book app. But it's a, it's, a, it's a content experience. I loved it. From looking around the show, is there anything here that kind of inspires you or makes you think that there are, there are some people really doing some good thinking about this? I think there's people doing good thinking and there's been one or two people speaking in various different seminars saying some, you know, uh, some exciting stuff. But the, I think the vast majority of the industry is ruled by old men um, focused on a very male viewpoint. And I'm quoting from this with a digital seminar uh, on Sunday. One of the speakers, I think it was Jim Griffin, uh, got up on stage and said, look, you all need to be more female. Right, and what what he meant is the whole publishing industry is is. Ba- Are you going to crack you, a joke? Yeah, you you mean like Rafe is in Switzerland at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you keep that bit in. Yeah, um, we all need to be more more female, and I just had a vision there, and uh, Rafe with long blonde hair. No. Uh, and now now I'm having a vision, and it's not a good one. <laughs> Rafe Arena. Uh, we, he said, the industry needs to be much more. F- woman folk uh, no, needs to behave more like a woman because currently the the whole transaction based perspective is, is killing the marketplace this is the, what the guy was pointing out that all the publisher cares about is getting that book in, in the hand and taking $20 or $10 off you and that's it transaction based thank you very much goodbye 
Whereas, and that's a very male-oriented uh, viewpoint. Just you get the sale done. There's no relationship. There's no care. There's no intent uh, um, or a uh, further intent. And I see that all the time. Like I've been complaining about this for for quite a while. What this guy was saying is the industry needs to behave more like a woman. Look to try and establish a relationship, not necessarily take money up front, and look at look at these customers in a long-term view, or with a long-term view, and that's what I'd like to see. So, if you think about any authors that you particularly enjoy, and if you really enjoyed their books, the chances are you're open to the next book and and, and the, the whole back catalogue, and also the chances are that for the next ten or twenty years you're going to be given the money. You know, as much as we criticise the publishing industry, you know, when you, if you go to a bookstore, you will find skilled professional people have done you know quite a skilled task about getting those things those that content onto the shelf and it kind of boggles my mind that they're not now taking those skills and applying them to the type of content which people are consuming more and more via digital means well this is the the whole point and i we should be careful with you know broad strokes and that some of them are you know no no you know the rule on this podcast bland generalizations not backed up with any facts factor for other podcasts But uh, yeah, we we have to point out there are some uh, some shining lights, and you know I think most publishers are now aware. When I when I've seen all these big execs speaking, they they, they do get the fact that um, they need to be aware of these new technologies, need to be immersing themselves in new technologies, and, and investing to an extent in these uh, these technologies. But I think they, they're also sitting pretty, because the sad reality is that you know we do we are accustomed to edited high quality content right um, there's a uh, they had the one of the founders one of the, the top guys from Funny or Die on stage giving a, a perspective that the, the original um, business plan is the number eight most, eighth most visiting uh, site on the web and, and just so for anyone who's not familiar with it they produce sort of videos and viral content and things but it tends to be done you know like TV station quality with ah. so often you know big name stars like a, I think Will Ferrell uh, one of the founders yeah so Will Ferrell was one of the founders another guy that founded it and the, the guy that was speaking was the content director and uh, he said the whole business model to begin with was user generated content and he said the problem there is users are not funny Right, it's a real problem. The content was rubbish, and they realised they had to do some stuff. They had to start editing. They had to start producing, and they went and got some professional guys in. And that's why Funny or Die is professionally is really, really good, right? So I think that there is still very much uh, a requirement for this kind of edited, high quality perspective. I think we just want to see wider thinking, right? We, we're going to go now and, and talk to uh, you know a whole bunch of people here at the show about all the stuff they're doing. And I think you know we're going to be interested to see their focus and their and, and their approach to this. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting to watch to see if the publishing industry, the book industry, can learn anything from the industries that have been disrupted already by like like music and and sort of the, the mobile industry as well in terms of seeing how new players can shake an industry up, turn it on its head in years. In you know in in such a short amount of time that people don't even realise it's happened till it, till, you know, till it's well in effect. You make a fascinating point, right? You said the the book industry or the publishing industry, right? That that doesn't exist anymore. 
Okay, so we're going to go off round London Book Fair now, and uh, we hope you enjoy this little series. Uh, leave us a comment below wherever you hear this. Let us know what you think, and also, you know, if you are uh, involved in writing book content, or if you even if you even wonder what book content is anymore, uh, you know, leave us a comment. We'd be interested to hear your opinions, and uh, we'd also like to know how you think what you think about sort of uh, a little mini series on these specialist topics that we've got a few lined up now. Uh, we'd love all the feedback we can get.